last week you heard the fire evangelist, Mr. Manuel himself. And today we have another amazing man to bring the word, Mr. Wayman Bishop. If you would come and deliver the word to us, please. Thank you. Good. Well, uh, you may recall last week when uh, Doug was talking about why he's not preaching, um, that he was stepping down for a time of refreshing and renewing. <clears throat> and he mentioned that I would be delivering the message today and that it would be a message of fire. <laughs> well, um, this is not a message of fire. That's just not who I am. But um, I have to say that since Barbara and I started coming to, to Harvest, a number of amazing things have happened in our lives. Um, and for those of you who are new to Harvest, but you feel like this is where God is leani leading you, and you feel like this is a place to establish roots and to establish homes, a home, then my, my warning to you would be, strap in. <laughs> this is an amazing church. This is hallowed ground. Amen. This is hallowed ground. The Lord is in his house. Yes. And from this place, people have gone out into the kingdom, have gone out into the world, and wherever they go, signs and wonders precede them, and signs and wonders follow them. Um, over the last six years, since we started coming to Harvest, there has been this amazing dynamic in my life that uh, was very foreign, foreign to me. Um, about once a year, the Lord would give me a vision Never before in the preceding 65 years did I ever receive a vision. Never did I hear from the Lord. And this new dynamic in my life is not because of anything I did. It's because of the anointing on all of the amazing people in this church. And I chose to rub up against them in the prayer and in the hope that some of that would rub off on me. But the Lord has been amazingly faithful in about every year or so, nine to ten months, the Lord gives me a vision or speaks to me. And, you know, my immediate reaction to that is to rush to my pastor and say, Doug, I got a word. Well, the first year or so, he said, okay, just sit down. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a lesson in that. And the lesson for me was to affirm the word. And... And as I have learned, the best way to affirm what the Lord is speaking to you is to seek it in the Word, to seek it in the truth, in Scripture. So, you know, I, for all of the years that I was in the Marine Corps, 
one of the lessons that never landed on me was see the battlefield. That's one of the most um, common lessons that young Marines learn in the Marine Corps, is to develop the ability to see the battlefield. Well, I could read a map, I knew how to use a compass, and I could see the, the line drawn on the map that separated the disposition of enemy forces and the disposition of friendly forces. I could delineate the forward edge of the battle area, but I could not see the battle. And, and I confess to you that there was, there was a bit of fear in me in that um, I was being trained to assume the responsibility to lead young Marines into battle, yet I could not see the battlefield. I could not see the war raging in my mind. Well, one of the amazing things that has happened to me since I have come to harvest is that I can now see the battlefield. And I now look back on my experience in the Marine Corps and know exactly how important that is. But there is in the kingdom of the Lord a battle raging. Either in our heads or in our spirits or in the circumstances of our lives or in our homes, um, on the public square. You know, Jackie and I have in common our affiliation with the Family Foundation. And I'm so glad you stood up today to, to speak to us about that. When I was in the Family Foundation, I, I had the opportunity to meet uh, a brilliant young man from Focus on the Family, Tom Finnerty, and he wrote this book, Why You Cannot Be Silent. And it's, and it's not just about electing people who have a biblical worldview, but it's also speaking out boldly on the public square about all the injustice in the world. And I've often thought, as I read in Tom's book over and over again, how different the world would be if Christians would come together, if the body of Christ would be united, and all of us saw the battlefield and would stand up courageously against injustice. And it surrounds us. It's everywhere. You know, the Lord said to me not long ago, you see the world upside down. You know, and I, I really wasn't sure how to respond to that because I was standing on my feet. I was upright. <laughs> but I do. To me, the world is upside down. The things that I learned as a young man have, have been changed, um, one would think, permanently. But it is not within that which we have given us. We have all the tools to right the world so that injustice will be defeated. That's what we're called to do. Christ was the example of that. So, about three months ago, I received this vision. And uh, I sat on it for about a month. And then I went to see Doug, and I said, you know, I have this vision, Doug, that I think is very powerful. And although I, I, I know in my heart it, it was for me, God has also said to me, it is for all of my children. And so, uh, to the extent that I am successful in c casting this vision and it resonates with you, then 
such a good thing. But um, so I'm going to attempt to cast this vision, and I'd like for you to follow me, if you will. Not back here, but <laughs> this is as good as place as any. It's dark back here. The vision that I had was of this man standing in the threshold of a door. And he had a death grip on the frame over the door. And there was no space below him, no space to the right or the left of him, and unlimited space above him. And behind him was this, this vast area where wispy gray figures cast long, dark shadows. Before him was a vast area as brilliant as a thousand sunsets. So contrast for me, if you will, the dramatic difference between what was behind him and what was before him. And as he stood there with this death grip on the frame of the door in the midst of the threshold, the enemy said, step back and stay here, for this is where you will find comfort. This is what you will be familiar with. This is the world you have created for yourselves, and this is the bed you made. Now sleep in it. But an angel of the Lord appeared before that man and said, Fear not. Step boldly into your destiny. So for me, what is behind me is my history. What is before me is what the Lord has called me into in his kingdom on earth. Until I came to harvest, I had no idea what understanding God's kingdom on earth was about. I belonged to a church whose central message was salvation. So my whole mindset was on salvation. And with so many others in my church, wringing my hands, gnashing my teeth, am I saved? I hope so. Am I saved? I hope so. Every message was about salvation. Now, I'm not uh, being critical of that church because obviously the message of salvation is an extremely important one that all of us should receive. But that's not what this message is about. It's not about salvation. Salvation is the easy part of the journey. The difficult part of the journey is stepping out into your destiny and receive the calling on your heart that the Lord has laid before you. So for me, and I suspect for many of you, my past, my history that is behind me as I stand in that threshold is characterized by fear and anxiety, regret, doubt, and unbelief. And so I, I want to let go of that. I want it to be part of my past. I, I indeed want it to be my history. Now, that's not to say that there aren't some great lessons to be derived by the experiences of our history. 
That's called wisdom. You know, I, I use sort of this parable, Mrs. Wayman's parable, of getting your hand slammed in a car door. You only have to do that one time <laughs> to know that that is not a good thing. So, so my, my message to young men is do not slam your hand in the car door. I've been there, done that. It's not a good thing. Don't ever do that. Teach that to your children. Now, there's a lot of symbolism in that. I won't go through all of the experiences in my life that are like slamming your hand in a car door, but none of them uh, had a happy ending. So there is some wisdom to be gained by the experiences of our lives. But we don't use them as a chain to tie us to our past. We are free of that. So, uh, in this vision, there, there is a choice for us. And I believe that it has everything in the world to do with our identity. If you identify with your past, with your history, then you are giving sway to the enemy's power over your life. You, you have given him authority to speak to you in a way that keeps you chained to your past. If, on the other hand, your identity is in Christ, you know that your destiny is the greatest part of your life on earth that lays ahead of you. It is the kingdom of, of God. John the Baptist prophesied the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ proclaimed it. It is real. It is now. You do not have to die to serve Jesus in the kingdom of God. It is here and now. It is right now. You know, I, 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 can, I can see Jesus speaking to us and saying, what good is it to you to apply all of the things that I have taught you in my word after you are dead? after you have received your resurrection body, after you have gone to sit on the right hand of God, your Father, what good is it to you to have done that? Just as he would say, what credit is it to you to love someone who is easy to love? We aren't called to do that. We are called to love those who are the most difficult to love. Teenagers and really old people. <laughs> So my message is, love me. <laughs> I'm not a teenager. So, so, so what are our choices? Give authority to the, to the enemy and continue to, to live in the past? You know, one of the things I used to tell my kids, and still do now that they're adults, this verse in scripture, and I, I can't tell you where it came from, but there's infinite wisdom in it. How can you possibly plow a straight line when you're continually looking back to see if, the, if your plowing is straight, if you're plowing crooked? Keep your eyes straight ahead on the path that is before you. 
To me, that's a powerful lesson. So, so there is there is tremendous wisdom, I believe, in the words of the author of Hebrews, whoever you may think that was. I, I particularly think it was Paul, but there are, there are biblical scholars who say maybe not Paul. For me, it's Paul. I'm grounded in that. <clears throat> so Paul says in Hebrews chapter 11, faith is, among other things, the evidence of things not seen. And, and that draws me into the kingdom of God on earth today. That verse draws me into the kingdom. But what, <clears throat> what, what I have also received from that word is, I, I am called, we are called to be that evidence. Okay. We are called to be the evidence of things not seen. Wow. We are called to be the evidence of things not seen. We are to be the evidence. You know, it is my prayer, not just for me, but for all of you. And there are many people in this room that I know quite well who carry this anointing on them. I know what they're going through in their lives, but their countenance is full of joy. They do not let the stuff in their lives that they're dealing with every day drag them down. They are resolute in the firm knowledge that Jesus is by our side and that the Spirit of the living God is in us. And so there's peace, joy, and understanding in their lives. And that is the evidence of that which is unseen. I like to be around people like that. You know, one of the, and I, I was, um, it was interesting to me that our Tim quoted that scripture in Matthew because that was one of the kingdom principles that I want to talk about, but I'll talk about it now. You'll remember in that, in that teaching, Jesus said about the king where he separated the goats from the sheep. Well, one, one very powerful kingdom principle is hang out with sheep, don't hang out with goats. <laughs> so, I, I try to hang out with people who are the evidence of things unseen. There is something about them that I can't define in words that you and I would understand, but there's something about them that resonates on my heart. And I just love being around them. I love to rub up against them. And the consequence of that is that my life has been blessed. So, hang out with sheep. Because they are the, uh, the evidence of things unseen. You know, um, the first sermon that I ever heard preached here at Harvest was by Chip Payne. Chip's not here, is he? He must have known I was going to be delivering the message today. <laughs> and that's why Doug is not here, and that's why Jason is not here. <laughs> I 
too painful. <laughs> I, I fall back on the clear and simple fact that I am a lay person. I was not called in the world to preach. I was called in the world to teach a much smaller classroom than this. But the first sermon I ever heard when I walked through those doors back there about six years ago was a sermon by Chip Payne on the kingdom of heaven. And he, he preached about living out the kingdom of God on earth today by adopting a lifestyle which reflects kingdom principles. And so going back to the vision that I had about this man standing in the threshold that separates his past from his destiny, I, I am encouraged by the things that await all of us when we step into our destiny. And so I'd like to spend some time just talking about kingdom principles because the words are for me encouraging and I hope that they would be for you. The book of Matthews has some incredibly powerful descriptions of the kingdom of heaven, most of which I do not understand. And I suspect that many of you, as you read the parables, have the same question in mind. What was Jesus saying? He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seeds. And he had to, he had to explain that to his disciples. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed and yeast. The kingdom of heaven is like a hidden treasure, like a merchant looking for fine pearls, like a fishing net let down into a lake, like a king wanting to settle accounts. A very good preacher friend of mine, not affiliated with this church, we're having a very deep conversation about the deep things of God. And I, I asked him, why don't you ever teach on the parables? And he said, the reason I don't is because I have not yet had those mysteries unlocked for me. And it is my constant prayer that those mysteries would be unlocked and I would understand the parables in a way that I could stand before God's children and preach them with clarity and truth and honesty. So when I read the parables, um, they are often confusing. You know, I can read the same parable over and over again and have a different mystery revealed to me, and that's the beauty of Scripture. You, you remember in Christ's teaching where he said, you will not inherit the kingdom unless you can eat my flesh and drink my blood. Remember that? He said it three times. And his disciples who were gathered behind him looked at one another and someone whispered so that he wouldn't hear it. That's, that's a hard teaching. Well, after Jesus had finished delivering all these parables in Matthew his disciples said to him, why did you always teach in parables? So I, I, I want you to read with me. Open your Bibles, if you would, please. 
to the 13th chapter of Matthew, starting with the 10th verse. Matthew chapter 13, verse 10. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but not to them it has not been given. I'm sorry, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. So here's what I think that means for those of us who are eager to step into the kingdom of God. The knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven will be given to us. the knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven will be given to us. So, to me, that's, that's an amazingly encouraging to know that as I step into my destiny, God will release, according to his time, and my ability to receive mysteries so that I will hear, see, feel, and speak the truth into the lives of those who don't know Jesus Christ. One of the incredibly powerful things about this church is that there there are a multitude of people in this church who can be carrying on a conversation with you about any number of things and God will suddenly say to them, speak this in this moment. And they will speak it. And you will say, how did you know that? I believe that that is a mystery that is for all of us. You know, we don't have to be the prophet in the house. We don't have to be the apostle with a capital A. We don't have to be a teacher or a preacher or an evangelist to speak truth into people's lives. I believe that given any moment when we're engaged with someone in relationship that the Holy Spirit will give us the words to speak into their lives. That is a kingdom principle. That's something that we all have to look forward to. I know that I have been on the receiving end of some amazing words that have been spoken over me and into my life. Our pastor's wife, Cindy, is amazing. She is a seer. And God is constantly speaking to her about the people that she's in fellowship with, people that she's in relationship with. And she, she is not afraid. She is not afraid to be wrong because she isn't wrong. She, <laughs> she hears the word. So when Jesus said this to his disciples, you have been given the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. That is for us. 
that awaits us in our destiny. Many of you have already been living that in your lives. And, and I'm just, I am just on the threshold, if you will, of beginning to understand that, what that means for me and people that I'm in fellowship with in this church. So, here are a few kingdom principles I'd like to share with you, one of which I already have. Hang out with sheep and not with goats. How different would you live your life if you knew you were created to succeed in a kingdom without end and one that cannot be shaken? I'm going to ask you that question again. How different would you live your life if you knew you were created to succeed in a kingdom that is without end and cannot be shaken? You know, back to this discussion I had with God about the world being upside down. You know, I, I have a cynical heart. And God has said to me over and over again, your cynicism your lack of trust in failing institutions in the world demonstrates your lack of trust in my ability to deal with injustice. So if you were like me, of my generation, if you were, I look, through, I look out through the room and I don't see many baby boomers. But you know, I, I have... I am at a point in my life where I'm beginning to lose confidence in the institutions of the world. I look around and I see governments failing. This government in this country is failing. Now I know that sounds like a psycho wacko right wing Fox News advocates confession. <laughs> but I believe it is the truth. And so, what does that mean for me? Well, you know, my immediate reaction out of fear is to hunker down. Buy as many guns and Bibles as I possibly can. <laughs> but the more important question is, what does that mean for the church? I believe that as governments all over the world fail, it will be the responsibility of the church to stand up and step into yes. that power vacuum, to stand boldly against injustice in the world. Issues like the sanctity of life, the value of marriage. Governments have failed to protect those very sacred Judeo-Christian values in the world today. And so, where is the church? What is the church doing? What is this church doing? You can answer that question on your own, but I would ask, what is this church? What is the body of Christ doing to step up and speak out against injustice in the world? As long as the church is focused on denominationalism. Christ will have a harem and not a bride. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. 
What? Yeah, and political parties, right. And Christ is not looking for a harem. He's looking for a bride. He's looking for the body of Christ to be united in the truth of the word. So a kingdom principle is for us to be on the watch, constantly looking for, at, for false teachings, constantly looking for false prophets, not looking for them, but being aware of them. Constantly looking for injustice in the world and standing up and speaking out against injustice. That's what kingdom living is about. And you may think, well, that's not for me. But I know because my Lord and Savior has told me that I and you have the authority over all of the power of the enemy and no harm will come to us. We have authority over all the power of the enemy. And that's, that doesn't mean just in the circumstances of our lives. Not in the fear in our hearts. It means in the world, we have authority over all of the power of the enemy and no harm will come to us. What that means for me is... what. And what emboldens me and gives me great hope and courage is that God will always be responsible for the consequences of our obedience. Always. So we have no fear. Living in a kingdom which is eternal and cannot be shaken, knowing that I have power and authority over the circumstances of my life, over the enemy, and often over the circumstances of others' lives, but more importantly, in the kingdom of earth, I'm sorry, the kingdom of heaven on earth, encourages me and emboldens me to step out bravely. It also gives me the ability to see the battlefield. And, and I would pray that that was, would be something that all of you would be encouraged by. You know, I have about 15 of these, and, I, and I'm out of time, but let me just pick out a couple that are really important. Wisdom. Godly wisdom is a kingdom principle. When you hear in the Word that you have the mind of Christ, what does that mean to you? That's a rhetorical question. But cogitate on that. I have the mind of Christ. The meaning of that is without end. It is without limit. It creates for us an opportunity to step into any circumstance and speak the truth. It requires of us to be smart in the world, smart in the marketplace, if you will, and smart in the kingdom. It doesn't require that we be naive. It requires that we be wise and that we seek the truth in God's holy word so that wisdom is a part of our lives and becomes a living, breathing kingdom principle. We have been called to reign. We are a royal priesthood. 
And I'm not sure that any of us in this life will ever understand the totality of that. I have never been a king. I have never been a prince. Never been a princess. (laughs) Not even on Halloween. But I do know that I have been called to reign in the kingdom of God on earth. That's a daunting task. But that is a crown that all of us wear. Sometimes it's very heavy. Sometimes it's very light. But it is always illuminating. And so I would encourage all of you to to seek that part of your life that is yet to be defined clearly in kingdom principles. And ask yourself the question, what does it mean to have the mind of Christ? And what does it mean to reign as a royal priest in the kingdom of heaven. So I've gone three minutes. Is it, did, has that clock been set back or is it just one o'clock? <laughs> okay, so I, I wish that I had uh, 30 more minutes. Um, perhaps in a year, Doug will let me come back up here, up here and finish this. But I I just want to pray this over you. So join me in prayer. Father, we are so blessed to be in your house today, Father. To be in the midst of your presence. To be blessed by your word. To live in your goodness your grace, your mercy, your love for us abounds in our lives. You know, Father, because you have heard our prayers, you have heard us cry out. What does this mean to have the mind of Christ? What does it mean to be a royal priest? So we would just pray, God, that in your time and in your wisdom, when you know that we are ready, you would release to us mysteries that you have been holding for us and not from us. And so we just open our hearts, we open our eyes and our ears to hear and see and feel what you are doing in your kingdom and to be, and to be a part of that, Father. We surrender our lives. We, we proclaim that, this, that no matter how old we are, we are still clay, soft clay in your hands, God, so that you can make us and mold us and shape us more clearly defined in your image so that we would step out boldly and with courage knowing that we have power and authority change the world so that it looks like your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. I would invite our prayer team to come forward.